Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, and that's agriculture. This past week was a big week for stakeholders in agriculture. The Southern Farm Show in Raleigh went well, was well attended. I had a chance to talk with Sean Harding, president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Mike Negg, the secretary of agriculture from Iowa, was a guest of Commissioner Troxler at the show. I got a chance to talk with both of those folks, pass along some thoughts. And Jeff Turner joined Henry Hinton on a special Talk of the Town from the Southern Ag Show. Jeff also moderated a fireside chat at the North Carolina Ag Partnership Dinner. Jeff and I have not had a chance to compare notes, so we'll do that on today's program coming up in just a moment. Our thanks to our sponsors of the Southern Farm Show broadcast, the North Carolina Sweet Potato Commission, Colony Tire, Builders Discount Center, Caps Trailer, Agra Supply, Harvey's Fertilizer and Gas Company, Whole Place Strawberries and More, our booth hosts, Premier Equipment Company, and by the North Carolina Soybean Producers Association. Let me bring in my co-host, who was sort of MIA at the Ag Show, because he had the crud and came in virtually. Are things better in Duplin County? Much improved. Much improved. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm very happy to say that things in the original D.C. are better than they were earlier, so it's all good. Well, last week was the Southern Farm Show, and it was a highlight for agriculture in the state of North Carolina and surrounding states. And it also was a highlight of cold and flu. We were at the Farm Show on Thursday doing uh, Talk of the Town Live, and you were MIA sort of. And then Henry went down with flu as well, so I lost my, my first stringers. <laughs> well, i got to tell you, you got a weak first string, but we, we did see it through one way or the other. I, I the talk of the town deal I, I did from, uh, I think I called it Studio Southeast on Pink Mountain. It was really not the same not being there, being able to look people in the eye and right. having a conversation. Well, over the next couple of weeks here on Ag and NC, we're going to play back some of that. Also, I was around for the Ag Forum. Lots of good information there. And then Thursday night, you moderated one of two fireside chats from the North Carolina Ag Partnership. The Ag Partnership had the largest turnout ever. Mm. There were two fireside chats. Ray Starlin, he did the first uh, fire, uh, fireside chat. He moderated that uh, with uh, Commissioner Troxler and Secretary of Ag from Iowa, Nag. Uh, I had uh, President Pro Tem Phil Berger and our own senator from Sampson County, uh, Brent Jackson, and I thought it went really well. Those those two did a g- remarkable job, I thought. Well, let's kind of run through a little uh, synopsis of what you got out of uh, the folks you talked to. I had a chance to talk to the commissioner privately, uh, Secretary Neg from Iowa. We do this show, and we wonder sometimes whether we're as in touch as we could be, right, and uh, talking to farmers and certainly talking to ag stakeholders gives us that perspective. The issues that we've been talking about are the issues of the day. Secretary Neg worried about losing some of the tools in the tool belt for the farmer due to the EPA wiping out some insecticides and herbicides. He was very interested in a conversation I had with him, very interested in a couple of Supreme Court cases that are coming up, one of which is that we talked about a week ago is the Chevron case. I asked him about the ag trespass laws, and they recently had a big court win when it comes to uh, people packing cameras and and, uh, heading onto the farm. And I think that's something we're going to have to look out for. I think everybody's looking at what other states are doing to find out what makes the narrow wire that passes through the needle. Our ag-ag law was 
was was struck down. And uh, we've got to go back, I think, and, and reframe that somehow. And it would appear that with the Iowa model, there might be a way to get us there that that would enhance what we need on the farm because pe- people who come there to do damage to you, uh, you should have some protection from that. You know, if someone's doing something wrong on a farm, that's one thing. But to go in and and under undercover, I, I don't think anybody would want anyone to come into their business or in. To, I mean, you come on my farm, you're in my house, so to speak, and allowing somebody to come into my house with a camera and record everything I say and do would be a total total invasion of my privacy. So. Well, that's Hopefully what we can figure out a way. That's what Secretary Neg was drawing that same comparison to, which is uh, allowing some of the camera or microphone into my house is trespass. And it's plain and simple, and everybody understands that. But when it comes to my farm, it doesn't exactly ring true. You had a chance to talk with him. What were some other concerns that um, that he expressed in, in agriculture challenges that farmers in Iowa are facing? You know, the whole the ESG thing, all the things that thrust upon small and large farmers, they're very concerned. I'm certainly very concerned. You know, they recently, both he and Commissioner Troxler sent letters to six of the largest banks and said, guys, the ESG lending practices should not apply to farmers. Take a time out for a sec. ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. ESG investors aim to buy shares of companies they see as being responsible in those three areas, thereby influencing change. In the letter that Commissioner Troxler signed, Tyler Harper, the agriculture commissioner from Georgia, said, American agriculture sending a clear signal to the left-wing climate agenda of the United Nations that seeks to cripple one of the nation's most critical industries. Now more than ever, banks that do business with America should unquestionably support American industries. And that starts with the one that puts food on our tables, clothes on our back, and shelter over our heads. The U.N.'s Net Zero Banking Alliance would be the equivalent of a run on the bank of our nation's agricultural industry and pose a serious threat to our national security. Republican state attorneys generals have been pushing a fight against ESG investing on the state level, but now ag leaders are getting involved as well. We should stop. The United States should stop funding the U.N. And if we stopped funding the U.N., the doors would be closed and they would leave New York City. And that would be the end of that, because we are the financer of that operation, period. We're financing operations trying to put us out of business. We used to have what people would would say around the world. We had favored nation status, but it doesn't seem that way at all anymore. You know what? I can buy all the friends I want. <laughs> and that's what this is about. We're trying to buy friendships, and we're buying friendships from people who are not friendly. They don't like us, this globalism thing. And, again, they're putting it on the United States. We're having to carry the water for the world, and it's it's just it's not a fair way to deal with things. Everyone's always considered about the small family farm. Anytime you increase rules and requirements and push those down on a farm, you wind up consolidating farms because small farms can't comply with these things. And so, therefore, they go out of business and the big gets large. I mean, the big gets bigger. It's so easy to recognize. But the folks who shove this stuff down your throat either don't care or that's the way they want it. They want our food and fiber controlled by a handful of people. And if you increase regulation, 
I can assure you small farms will go away, and that is not that is not good. That's to the detriment of agriculture and our communities. Well, in many cases, farmers could easily comply, but the paperwork, I should say, farmers are complying, but the paperwork required to, to do so is a whole new learning process. It's like somebody gave you a whole new electronic device that you were going to keep your calendar on. It's like you've got to learn, you've got to figure it out, and the, and the answer is, I just don't want to deal with it. I, I got enough right now. It's no different than the, a community bank. A small community bank has to adhere to the same guidelines, the same re- reporting requirements, all the things that a huge bank has to comply with. A small bank with one or two with one or two branches in eastern North Carolina, they have to adhere to those same requirements, and and it's so unfair. And it that's again the demise of the community bank is driven by regulation. Yeah, Jeff and I did some talking to folks, folks who had a lot of passion for farming in the last couple of days. We'll be back with more Ag and NC in just one moment. Velcro-owned cars in Wallace is the only Chevy GM dealer in eastern Carolina to be an AgPAC dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you probably already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace and at BillCaroneGM.com. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations. Lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner, and this is Ag and NC. As happens on this program and happens with you and I, we never get to see one another, and the same with Commissioner Troxler. I never get to see him. So when I did see him at the Ag Show, I'm like, you look great. You have dropped a bunch of weight. And he said, well, when you get your second hip, you wake up and you decide maybe i got to lose a few pounds. He's walking good. He's looking good. I kind of gave him a hard time about the fact that right now there seems to be a lot of press about age of uh, folks running for uh, election or re-election. Uh, and he said, I feel better than I have in a long time. So that's that's really good to hear. And, and it shows. He, he he looks like he feels. I mean, I, I noticed him at, at the North Carolina Ag Partnership dinner. He acts and looks like he feels the best he, as, as he has in a while. Well, let's talk about that North Carolina Ag Partnership dinner. And you hosted a fireside chat with Senator Brent Jackson, chairman of the North Carolina Senate Ag Committee, and Phil Berger, uh, who is the President Pro Tem of the Senate. What did you glean out of that? Both those gentlemen expressed a great passion for agriculture and agribusiness. Uh, Senator Jackson, Brent takes it so seriously, and everything he says comes from the heart. And no less, I thought, from uh, President Pro Tem Berger, did a tremendous, a tremendous job, I thought. W- one of the things I kind of let out with is I've been walking around the General Assembly for a long, long time. This, we won't talk about years. And for so long, you walked around the General Assembly, as far as farming was concerned and agriculture, you were there in a defensive posture. And that was unfortunate. After 2011, when new leadership came about, all of a sudden things changed. We didn't feel like people were there to put us out of business or trying to find a way to make it more difficult to operate. A lot of folks in the ag community felt very threatened. At under the, the leadership uh, with, with Phil Berger and obviously with Brent Jackson, things changed. And 
I said to them last night as kind of leading off, you know, in all the years in my life, never did we have a farm act. Never talked about in a manner that you were trying to do something to preserve agriculture in the state or protect agriculture in the state or give agriculture uh, the credit for being what it is, and that's the largest industry in the state. So every two years, you know, they, they bring a package forth, also in the House with, with Jimmy Dixon, Representative Dixon, and, and, and Speaker Moore, and all the folks, Jeffrey McNeely, those folks on, on the House side, they do a remarkable job working together to have what, a Farm Act every two years. And yeah, there's a lot of give and take, and yeah, there's a lot of a lot of debate about what should be in that package. But at the end of the day, they're trying to do something that's positive for agriculture. These guys that are in leadership positions today, you feel like they're trying to work with you, not against you. Not just for farming, and, but for rural North Carolina. Exactly. They all understand rural North Carolina. So we had a good conversation. We we talked about. We talked about sue and settle. I, I don't get that, but a lot of that takes place. We, we talked about the changes they had made in the appointments process. I, w- one of the newest members that was appointed by Commissioner Troxler to the Environmental Management Commission approached me uh, prior to during dinner, and he said, I just got to tell you something. He said, I had no idea how much and how greatly the EMC such as agriculture. He said just in one situation, he said one outflow pipe in a particular area that needed to be moved around or had to be addressed, the way that they had proposed to address it would have taken acres and acres of farmland out of production. And he said, I wonder, had someone not familiar with agriculture, the land would have been taken out of production. We talked about what they did with uh, Senate Bill 5, was it 516 or 518, the appointment process, and added uh, some of those appointments to agriculture, the commissioner of agriculture having the ability to make some of those appointments. And and it's obviously here's one situation where it really has paid off already in the first meeting. You mentioned Representative Jeffrey McNeely of uh, Ardell County or that general vicinity. I saw him yesterday at the Ag Forum. As a matter of fact, he'll be a guest on an upcoming show. Senator Berger, not necessarily a huge agricultural background. (laughs) <laughs> no, he, he was very honest when when he spoke. He said, I defer all ag and farming questions to, to Brent Jackson. He, he said, I did work on a tobacco farm one summer, and I figured out real quickly I needed to figure out I, I had to go somewhere else to make a living. So he understands the hard work involved in farming. But at the same time, the guy has a business mind. He understands this is a business that we're running. It's not – people aren't doing this because – it feels good. They're doing it during a living, and it has it's work that has to be done, and I think he understands and appreciates it. Jeff, hang on a second. You're listening to Agriculture in North Carolina, broadcast and podcast. Find us online at agnc.com. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. You know, one of the takeaways from the Southern Farm Show, talking to vendors, a lot of them anticipated that the show was going to be a kick the tires and uh, a network kind of event. But there was a lot more purchasing going on than, than many of them had anticipated. Well, I think it's like anything else. If you walk around the farm show every year, you're going to find something else that might make your operation more efficient, 
and eliminate people. Not because exactly. you want to well, eliminate people, because you well, can't get them. It's, it's not people, it's positions. Let's yep. call it that. You, you have to eliminate those positions because there aren't people there to fill the position. So you got to figure out a way to be more efficient in what you do with fewer and fewer people. I had a conversation a couple of times this week because of a different situation, but related to agriculture. Finding finding people with the good old common sense abilities. They're, they're, you can go to school and learn an awful lot of stuff, but the, the common sense piece, been there and done that piece, is very limited. It's not someone's fault. I'm not faulting anyone or saying to someone, you just don't get it, do you? I can see where artificial intelligence, if used properly, can help farming and agriculture a tremendous amount doing some of that thinking. Got to take some of the stuff that's in these old heads and put it into right. a program. Right. If we don't do that, it's going to get lost. Yeah. No, it's the institutional knowledge part that I think we're most concerned about losing. And, and technology may help with some of that. I mean, you know, I always plant in this area with this crop because of this thing. Well, I think data will help with that, but there's a lot of areas that it that it won't. Let me note before uh, before we head on into the program today, I want to mention this. The 2023 North Carolina corn yield results now available, and I have them. There were 116 entries from 33 different counties, and there were 44 different varieties from 12 different seed companies. Two-thirds of the yields were produced using no-till. Statewide average this year was 256.82 bushels per acre. That is the highest yield ever in the state. Also, there were seven entries in Dr. Ron Heininger's contest that qualified for Outstanding Yield Club, over 300 bushels per acre, and I'm sure a number of those were in the Blacklands. We had a good year, I thought. If you take it outside of North Carolina, a farmer in Minnesota only had seven inches of rain on this 40-acre plot, and he produced 314 bushels of corn. Wow. On average, across 40 acres, with seven inches of rain, Man, and it was all due to the genetics of the, yeah. uh, the, the the corn seed that he was using. Give the I won't make a commercial of the, <laughs> the brand. Wait, if it was one was of extraordinary. our if it was one of our advertisers, you could go right ahead. <laughs> that, that that's extraordinary. Yeah. I was just blown. In fact, I I copied that article and I sent it to several folks, and and because I know what it's like. We uh, we have a lot of what I will call marginal soils in eastern North Carolina. I mean, they they're kind of worn. I mean, they've been farmed and farmed and farmed for almost two hundred years, and it's, so you couple that. Marginal soils with with a, a limited amount of rainfall, you got a problem. You're listening to Agriculture in North Carolina. Thanks in part to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than just agriculture, it's got to be NC.com. More in a moment. You're listening to Agriculture in North Carolina on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. Well, we're close to the end of the program, but I'm still going to call this a headline. Recent data shows the unemployment rate dropped in 95 counties in North Carolina, stayed the same in three counties, and increased in two. That according to North Carolina Business. All 15 of the state's metropolitan areas experienced rate decreases. Among the metro areas, Rocky Mount had the highest rate at 4.5, Asheville the lowest at 2.5. 
Statewide rate of unemployment, 3.2%, and the U.S. unemployment rate, 3.7%. Also, the 2024 Gates, Chowan, and Perquimans County Vegetable Production Meeting coming up on February the 9th at 10 a.m. at the North Carolina Extension Center in Chowan County. You'll find that at 730 North Granville Street in Edenton. A lunch will be provided, and because of that, you got to pre-register. You can do so by calling 252-482-6585. Our thanks to Punxsutawney Phil on Groundhog Day did not see his shadow. North Carolina is trending a little warmer this season and is still not in drought. Let's take a look at commodity prices from last week. North Carolina egg prices were higher on all sizes when compared to the prior week. Supplies were short to meet a fairly good demand. North Carolina weighted average price for Thursday, February the 1st, for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 289.61 for extra large, 285.20 for large, 223.55 for medium, and 152 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was four to six cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 445 to 523 at the feed mills and 415 to 523 at the elevators through Thursday, February the 1st. Number one yellow soybeans were 18 to 19 cents lower, ranged 1194 to 1257 at the processors, mostly 1109 to 1189 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was mixed seven cents lower to one cent higher and ranged 564 to 580 at the elevators. And that's this week's Ag at NC. Subscribe to the longer free podcast version on Apple or Spotify or download the IBX Media app. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Ag and NC is a production of Interbanks Media. Copyright 2024. To advertise in the broadcast version or the statewide podcast, head to our website, agandnc.com. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, make it a great week.